Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Welcome back to another wonderfully weird Monday morning. I'll give you the time that it takes for the music to play. To plays? Yes. To plays. I'll give you the time that it takes for the music to play to guess why it's weird today. Well, hello, people who have refused to give themselves a groupie name. How are you doing? <laughs> I actually have seen a couple. Okay. Um, someone said something about, like, if you're scientists or if you like science, but with the C oh. from the last episode, then, mm-hmm. then we are your lab rats. Oh. I kind of like that one, actually. I'm cool um, with it. Someone DM'd us and said chaos connoisseurs. Love that also one. Also a good one. Oh, oh The colossosauruses. <laughs> Oh, oh my goodness. Oh, she just walked through the tangle of wires and I did not think she was going to make it out without pulling something down with her, but she made, she made it. Well, I guess she this is a it. good time to point out we are in a completely new setting at the current moment. That's why um, it's weird. If you're listening to this, uh, feel free to check out the episode on YouTube for like the first two <laughs> minutes and then you'll be able to see where we are today. Um, we've had a bit of an AC issue at our home. Oh, understatement of the century. Yikes. And, uh, with where we are at, no AC in the summertime is not fun. So bad. So we decided to be adults about it and go get an Airbnb for a few days. We Um, decided to be adults about it and just leave and ignore the issue. Just completely ignore the problem altogether. (laughs) Just say, fine, we don't need you. We'll go somewhere that's, else. That's exactly what we did. Macy, okay, good, 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 good. So, she got a toy. you know, we made ourselves feel better about this by claiming it's just for the dogs. Yeah. They can get heat stroke. It's not a they, pretty picture. They were refusing to eat. But in reality, we really were just terribly uncomfortable. And <laughs> That's Maisie. Maisie loves it. Well, I guess this could be something you can apologize for next week, but I have to do some eight-second apologies this week. 
So Mm-mm. let's just jump right into it. Um, I would first like to apologize for Rachel uh, taking me and you through a very meta and brain warping topic at 10 p.m. and 7 a.m., respectively. I would also like to apologize for the lack of closure in the episode and for the incessant dog noises in the background. So I think those are all good things. Because guess what? Oh. Guess what? Guess what? I am, as my mug says right here, Mrs. Always Right. I was given the opportunity to have Mr. Always Right, but... <laughs> no, it, it didn't say Mr. Always Right. It but said, it there it was like a his and hers mug right. set, and it said Mr. Right, like oh. the classic Mr. Right, okay, and Mrs. Okay. Always Right. So I could have been Mr. Right, but instead I went with the first ladies of the United States of America with my G, <laughs> Rosalind Carter. Jimmy, your wife... Jimmy, your wife is a beaut. Um, Somebody come get her. No, do not disrespect Rosalind with that song reference. Excuse me. And so I will be holding my mug this way and trying to figure out how to drink left-handed solely so I can make sure you see Rosalind Carter's face. Any other news to catch him up on? Are we good? It's the final countdown, Rachel. Um, I always feel like there's got to be something. Well, I have something. Oh, oh, okay. My episode. <laughs> I was going to ask, is it a story? <laughs> oh, it's a story. It's actually three stories. It's not going to be long. Nobody panic. Um, well, maybe I do have something. Okay, then go. So, um, if nothing else, I'm going to start. I was so, just going to say, tell your friends about us because we're awesome and we want. Oh well, we want more yes. of a of an army. You That's know, a given. We want more people who follow us blindly and love us. Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're trying to humble Rachel. No, we're not. She had a humbling moment this morning when she forgot a certain piece of equipment <laughs> that I had to then go drive and pick up. I offered to go she, back and get it. It was the right thing to do because her puppy can't be left alone. She yeah. just freaks out, which is fine. So, <laughs> so anyways, here we go. Cheers. So to be honest, wait. Oh, I'm in such an odd position here. Got one leg on the floor. I was just gonna, one leg. I was just gonna cheers. You. Yeah, I I had to get in a position to cheers. Okay, cheers. You have to look. Oh, you almost didn't look me in the eyes. I was gonna be like, bro, it's bad. I luck. had to make sure Rosalind was facing. So to be honest, this idea came to me when I was I was at the I guess it was the outlet mall. It's a specific way to describe it, and I was looking at some stores, and I was like, where did these guys like where did they come up with their names? And so I decided I'm going to start doing a deep dive onto, like, brand names, right? Okay. But then it quickly became less about the brand name and more about family feuds. Oh, okay. So today we're going to be talking about, like, three different, I guess, stories of family feuds. Love it. Of. Love it. Um, and I, I think it's going to be fun. Um, they're shorter stories. Um, some of them involve a little more legend, a little more hearsay, but I guess that's part of it. Like think Romeo and Juliet. Do we actually know what started the feud? No. So we'll see. I've never read Romeo and Juliet. No way. I've read a lot of other Shakespeare, but I've never read. I'm actually really that I have a lot of respect for you (laughs) that you haven't just read. I plan on never reading it. Oh, well that maybe not. Well, that's, that's just because just. Based on principle, because it's like the one thing everyone knows. Anyways, it's a joke. So it's a joke. Our first feud. We are going to be talking about Adidas or Adidas. Adidasler. 
Adidas yeah. and Puma. Okay. You know the you know I'm Puma? sorry. Yeah, yes, I know Puma. I'm just a little distracted because in an attempt to get my dog to stop making so much noise, I just kinda like try to get her to settle by my feet, but now she's chewing on my foot. Mm, yeah. So yeah. We've also determined that Maisie has a foot fetish. <laughs> she so. does. So both of these brands, so Adidas and Puma, they are actually the founders of these brands are brothers. Really? I didn't know if you knew that. I, I didn't know that. So did you know that? I didn't until I started my deep dive and I was like, what? So they had a, just a, just ridiculous fight, um, that ended up splitting up their brands and turning into rival athletic shoe companies. So it it was one brand to begin with Uh and then they split. We're going to, we're going to tell the story. I'm going to channel Steve Harvey for this. Brothers. Um, and we're going to get this going. Okay. I expect a mustache and a deep voice. I was going to try a deep voice, but we're not going to do it. And so. too many sexual innuendos that you then <laughs> pretend you didn't expect. That that would cost me some serious money in the jar. <laughs> so Adolf Adi Dazzler is his name. He is the founder of Adidas, and he's from Bavaria in Germany, right? So his first company with his brother, Rudolf, um, was named Gebruder Dazzler Schuhfabrik. I think I pronounced that pretty okay. Sprechen Sie Deutsch? Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Little. Un little. <laughs> no, okay, this is really embarrassing. I did take a full year of college level German. What? Yeah. And I was good at it, but it, it's gone. I've never taken a single French, French. <laughs> that too. I've never taken, taken a single German class in my life. Like oh, any- I loved it. I loved learning German, but part of the, I feel like part of the problem with any of those languages is like you, I could read it. Like if you handed me something oh, in yeah, German, yeah, I could read yeah. it easily. I could read it, but to try and speak it, if you aren't practicing it every day, good luck. Yeah. So Spanish is to my German my professor Spanish. out there. Don't hate me. I tried. Gebruder is right. Dassler. Schuh Fabrik. Anyways. That sounds like a French accent the brothers dassler shoe company okay essentially is what we're translating this into this was 1924 um so addy was uh an, an athlete in his youth addy what is addy i'm gonna pronounce okay. it okay addy my... just makes me think of the american girl doll sorry okay addy we're gonna change our enunciation of the a over here addy was um an athlete in his youth soccer player runner um, and he actually invented his first shoe in 1920. It was like a spiked track and, you know, track and field running shoe. Good for him. So they're, so then in 1924, teams up with his brother Rudolph. They're like, let's make a company. Um, they call it Gata for short. So. Hi, Macy. Macy's here. <laughs> um, she almost just destroyed everything. Hi, baby. If you want to settle down right there, that'd be perfect. Okay. Oh, good girl. So maybe she'll take a nap. Um, that'd be great. Wow. All right. So the story of like Adidas's reputation, like they kind of get their start in the Olympics. So, but their first brand, Gata, starts, they start getting some success in the 1928 Amsterdam Olympics. Okay. A runner named Linda Radke won gold wearing Gata shoes. In 1936, Jesse Owens um, at the Berlin Olympics yep. is wearing Gata shoes. And this is the first time 
that they start branching out into more international selling to different countries. But then the Second World War comes. Um, the Dazzler brothers were members of the Nazi party and Ooh. used, yeah. Mm. Unfortunate. Mm. Um, they, they gave shoes to like the Hitler youth. Oh, and, oh, like, oh, I, little sus. Dark turn. Like very dark turn. Um, I don't know how avid of Nazis they were, but either way, you're still a Nazi. Um, so anyways, that happens. Yeah. So then, um, Rudolph during the second world war is actually drafted and goes to fight for Mm. the Germans. Um, Adi stays home and kind of runs the factories and stuff that of course, like any total war nation they're using to turn out military stuff. Right. Right. Which actually, that's kind of, that might be a good point. Like, I don't know if you know the answer to this, but were they like voluntarily giving these things to? I don't know the answer. The Nazis? Or were they told like they had to use their factory for that? I, I don't know. I think I would probably just say it might be a little bit of both. Yeah. Um, likely, obviously likely. like the adidas.com oh is not, goodness. obviously adidas.com is not going to tell me com. if. They have their whole backstory, right. but they just kind of gloss oh. over the Second World War. Um, she's sniffing the mic. Of course. You want to say hi? All right. Now she's, now she's of course shy. she doesn't. So 1948, so after World War II, Rudolph comes home. They're kind of like reassessing, trying to like figure out life again, you know, as mm-hmm. a lot of people are. And there's a family feud. Rudolph and Audie hate each other all of a sudden. And we Why? don't- we don't actually know. And this <laughs> oh. is the part to me that's like very Romeo and Juliet-esque. There's some theories on what's happening here. Let's so one is that Audie actually like tried to turn in like or yeah, I guess turn in his brother to the US and like Oh wow. Sell them information and like get him whatever, you know, I don't know what the word is I'm trying to use here, like turn his brother in for being a Nazi in, like, exchange for something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So there's one theory. To, like, right? double-cross him. Betrayal. Yeah, double-cross yeah. and betrayal. Um, the other one, it has to just do with a woman. Like, I guess there was, yeah, like fighting there was a, a feud over this woman, and it's kind of, like, rumored about, like, maybe Typical. one slept with her, one didn't. I don't know. Who knows? But that's it's kind of, like, what Easy. we do know is that – they like this was it like whatever it was they never really spoke again and not only did it divide the company gata into like adidas and puma but it also literally divided their hometown between two separate parts of the main river that flowed through it so that's kind of wild so in 1948 around that time like you get the foundation of adidas and puma and so the town they're from i'm gonna butcher it herzogenaracht that's okay. not right. That's not right. That's not right. Herzogenaurach. It's like that, the CH at the end. I can't do it right it's now. Very, it's very throaty. Um, yeah. There's a river. I don't know the name of the river. It's probably something. But there's a river. Pronounce. There's a river. And literally Adidas was in the northern part and Puma was in the southern part. And like people in the town would like you. It was literally almost like a or like West Side Story, which I guess is from Juliet, like sharks versus the Jets, like. If you were if you were Adidas, like don't come near a Puma guy. Playing soccer growing up, I always knew there was this like feud between Puma and Adidas. Right. No idea why, and now I do. Um, there we go. And so you know, eventually their headquarters move, um, and they're not quite as like divided, but mm-hmm. they still don't like each other, and it's still like 
I read in that town, it's still very much like, are you a Puma or Adidas? Not even like the region? No. Like the, the town. It's not, but it's not even like, are you North or South? It's like, no, it's Puma or Adidas. Adidas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's great. Love that. So again, I had, I, I, it started off with just being like, where did the name Adidas come from? And then it was like the one, it's like one of the most famous feuds in history. And so then yeah, of course yeah. I was like, okay, well naturally I'm going to go find out what the other feuds, what are other famous feuds? So yeah. So I was like, okay, naturally being that we do deep dives. I'm going to dive deeper and learn what are the other feuds that are famous in history. Um, oh, wait, hold on. Yeah. I have something important. Please. An important question for the Magic 8-Ball here. Oh. oh. There we go. Will Maddie and I ever have a historical or just a an important, a big, dramatic feud? I'm terrified of the answer. What's it say, Maisie? <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. Okay, so stay tuned. It said yes, definitely. Yikes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, hopefully we won't be as divisive as Adidas and Puma. Hopefully it doesn't have anything to do with Nazi Germany. God, no. (laughs) Yikes. So. So. Are you ready for... I'm ready. Oh, I am Family feud number two. I'm ready. Okay. This one's called The Black Dinner. Okay. Um, Did you ever watch Game of Thrones? No. Okay. If anyone watched Game of Thrones, there is an episode, and I didn't write down the name of this episode, but there's like a pretty intense, like crazy dinner scene that's actually inspired by this event that I'm about to tell you. So if you're a Game of Thrones fan, this is the inspiration. And honestly, I don't, I don't think there was a single article I read that didn't start off with, if you like Game of Thrones. (laughs) So I don't think many people knew about this until the episode. So I guess the director also, like, he he admitted, he was like, this is what it's inspired off of. So here we go. So we're in Scotland in the 1400s. Um, Scotland is no stranger to family feuds and conflicts. Um, I don't know if you knew that. Um, clan conflicts in Scotland and in Scottish history is pretty um, typical. So clan with a C. Clan with a C. Clan conflict with a C. That's an important um, distinction. Yeah. there's There are many examples of family feuds in Scotland, to be honest. But this one is a conflict between the Stuarts, not to be confused with the Stuart family in England that comes in the 1500s. Okay. They're ancestors, but different for our purposes. And the Douglases. Okay. So Stu versus Doug. <laughs> Stu. Um, and there's other noble families involved at the time, too. So... James II is the part of the Stuart ruling family. He's six years old when Aww. it comes to power in 1437. Good for him, a little king. Um, right. So, of course, he has a regent. Um, mm-hmm. Like we learned in the episode with Olga, a regent, for those, you know, in case we need a definition again. Um, somebody that's set and given power to rule on behalf of someone who's not yet at the ruling age. A placeholder. I.e. a six-year-old. Um, a placeholder, a yes. So. For, the, for the interim. Right. So James's father was actually murdered. So oh. you already know that the story is going to be chaotic yeah. when we're starting with that kind of well, ascension and, to the throne. And you just know it's going to be chaotic when it's on here. Well, true. Stay chaotic. With the hyper-focused you know? babes. Um, so James's first regent was actually a member of the Douglas family. Um, oh, wait, but he was a Stuart? Correct. 
But the, so they're not feuding yet. Not yet. This is the lead up. No, okay. it's kind of one of those situations where like they like love but hate each other. Like they're frenemies right now because the yeah. Stuarts are the rulers, but the Douglases are like, we want that power. Like, give it to me, you know. Um, so it's kind of like, I want it. Give it to me. It's like we. What is that we, from? I don't know. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. No, it's from Parks and Rec. It's when Paul Rudd is wanting the election. Yeah. Give it to me. <laughs> give me it. Give me it. I'm sorry. Please. <laughs> His character on that show is so good. Amazing. So good. Um, so, yeah, something like that. Sure. So, um, so it's kind of like there's this little like tension swirling of like, okay, the Douglas is the regent, but the Stuart's the king. So like the Douglases are certainly exerting a level of power and are pretty much using the time as regent mm-hmm. to solidify their control. Yep. So this first regent dies. And so instead of getting a new, just a single new regent, they decide let's get three oh. and share. So that way maybe we can limit the Douglas's power. Oh, okay. So only one of them will be a Douglas. Exactly. So we've got, I, I'll give you the names. Um, William Crichton, Crichton. Yeah. Crichton. Um, Sir Alexander Livingston and James Douglas. Now they all sound just so typical. Yeah. One thing that I, I learned after research is that the Douglas family has like two branches. So there's the black Douglases and the red Douglases. Okay. The black Douglases, from my understanding, are the bad guys, or quote, bad guys. They're like the ones versus the Stuarts. Okay. The red Douglases are James Douglas's family. So this okay. region. So they're just kind of like there. So at this point, they're, we don't have any of the bad guy Douglas family as a region. They're like, they're Jay Chillin. Yeah, they're just Jay Chillin. They're out here And surviving. they like, they're, they kind of want the power, but they're like, whatever, it's not ours. They're like, as long as I'm noble, it's fine. Okay. So to click, we're here, right? So we have... James II is a Stuart. His first regent is one of the Black Douglases. Then Black Douglas guy dies. Yeah. <laughs> this sounds borderline strange, but whatever. <laughs> um, then after the first regent, who is a Black Douglas, dies, mm-hmm. we get three new regents yep. to try and share power. Yep, I'm with you. One of them is the Red Douglas. Oh. Okay. Thanks. So in 1440, which it, this is basically their first a great year, year as a regent. That's a great year. Yeah. Why? I don't know. It just, okay. just sounds like a good year. Um, James still can't rule, um, but his regents are warning him, like, okay, the Black Douglas family is getting really powerful. We need to do something about it. Put our put our foot down. Um, so the regents invite two leaders um, of the Black Douglas clan, um, William and his younger brother. He does. He remains unnamed. Uh, okay. Did lots of research. Could not find his name. So love it. William, younger brother. William and younger brother come to Edinburgh Castle um, to meet with the king, King James. Um, but they have no idea that it's not going to end well for them. Oh. So at dinner, a black bull head is placed on the table, which is a symbol for death. Oh. Um, and so at that point, they realize, well, crap. So it's just like really dramatic. Like someone just brings Literally, in this bullhead and yeah, sits it on the table during dinner. Like a cinematic masterpiece, like dramatically placing the severed bull's head on the table. And I love it. <laughs> and then like William and his brother are just like, yikes. Um, so the regents take the two boys, hold a mock trial for them where they declare them as traitors to the crown. And oh, to be honest, it's oh, actually, yeah. 
How old are these children? Like 16 and 14. And they hold a mock trial for them. So they don't even give them a real trial. They'll, no. They just have, give them a mock trial. Maisie, what are you doing? So they basically are just like torturing them for fun through this mock trial. Yeah. Yeah. And then they're going to kill yeah. them. Oh, so what got your attention? To be honest, it's it's unclear if James the second like really knew what was going on or, you know, it, we, did, we just don't know the level of his involvement. Mm-hmm. It's because he wasn't really in charge. So we can't necessarily blame James yet. Okay. Yep. Once they're declared traitors, they are hung and. Oh, my goodness. They have been murdered by the regents. And what was the basis for declaring them traitors? Just that they wanted They've the power? They've been accumulating too much power. They're a threat to the crown. So, i.e., they're traitors. You know, Ooh. the Douglases decide to attack Edinburgh Castle. And they were fighting. It actually was probably they started. They were fighting up until 1455. So they probably started attacking and they were kind mm-hmm. of in this prolonged battle tiff for 15 years. Um and at this climactic battle, the Black Douglas family was finally fully defeated, and the Stuarts claimed the the Scottish throne, and all of that drama is kind of done. Um, and they become the parent house of the House of Stuart, okay, which is like Mary Stuart, all the other you know Stuart family in like the 1500s. So, if you're not that particular about English history, I don't know, I don't know any of these people. It's fine. <laughs> you know, Mary Queen like of Scots. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's Mary Stuart. Okay. I don't even know that much about her, but. It's fine. It's like the family I know, of I know, I know enough to know who you're talking about. Yeah. Okay. It's all, it's, it's kind of the famous people that we learn about in like medieval history or European history in like the 1500s. Some of us didn't take uh, European history classes. Anyways, I know I'm confusing words anyways too, so nobody obliterate me right now in the comments. Obliterate um, her in the comments. But yeah, it's like they, they literally just changed the spelling. So it's technically the same family, but it's also technically not. Love it. And as a historian, I must a rebrand. Yeah, they just did a quick little rebrand. So, um, that's family feud number two. Love it. So, family feud number three is not a family feud, but I read it and could not not talk about it. Family that that sentence. Family feud number three is not a family feud. (laughs) Correct. (laughs) Thank you, Maddie. Um, it's just a feud. But it seems as though the feud is between two, like, brothers from another mother's. So okay, take it or leave it. Um, do you like dinosaurs? Hate them. Do you like fossils? Hate them. Do you like paleontologists? Hate them. Well, then this is going to suck for you because we're talking about the Bone Wars. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love them all. And I'm really excited about what the Bone Wars are. So everyone channel your inner Ross Geller. No. Okay. Well, <laughs> hate them. <laughs> wait yeah that one maybe (laughs) so i have recently somehow like every once in a while i'll just be on paleontology tiktok and i don't know how i got there and i always try to stay but it always eludes me Mm. but then everyone here we are every once in a while it'll come back and it's one of my favorite places to be on tiktok maybe if we give a whole episode or a third of an episode to it maybe we'll we'll stay on it make a tiktok about paleontology yeah thank you so in the 1800s that's kind of where like researching fossils like begins in like the mid 1800s anyways oh i have a fun fact for you yeah tell me so george washington Uh never knew that dinosaurs existed that's weird because fossil like dinosaur fossils were not found until after he died yeah yeah because they didn't start really finding them till the 1800s yeah so george washington never never knew about 
dinosaurs people that's in his, weird in his uh we in his are time. truly blessed and privileged to have the amount of information that we have oh Maisie, you're if you jump you're gonna take all the wires with you and everything's gonna come crashing down and you just lay here for like 15 more minutes okay okay good girl good girl. okay so in the 1800s we're talking about two of like the premier paleontologists of the world edward drinker cope and othniel charles marsh how do you spell othniel Oth, like O T H N E A L N E I, or N E I N I E L. The two met in Germany in 1863. They were trying to escape the Civil War in America, which I don't blame you. Um, and they became close friends, oh. just the best of buds. But the friendship didn't last long. Oh no! Um, I was just about to say less buddy cop shows, more buddy paleontologist shows. Yeah, but this doesn't sound like it's going to no, work out. It's well. not. Um, actually, about five years later, Cope describes an incident as the beginning of the end of the friendship. So about five years. Wow. Somewhat solid. Um, I love that he like describes this or like keeps a record of it. Yeah, they they hate each other. Wow. Like it, not friends. Um. So Cope and Marsh are like doing all this kinds of paleontology research. They're working with different quarries and um, enterprises to help to try and dig up fossils all over the world. There was a New Jersey quarry that Cope had been working in. Marsh made a little backdoor deal with the quarry and said that basically said any and all fa- fossils found there had to go to Marsh. Even though Cope was actively searching in the area for fossils. How so basically everything Cope found off? went to Marsh. How did Marsh pull that off? He's he's a schemer. Okay. Cope's one of those, he's like So this is I'll, you know, it'll make Amazing, more, stop it. It'll Just make more on. sense in the end. But Marsh is kind of the one who's like, he'll do whatever it takes to be the to be on top. So uh, like okay. bribery deals, backdoor, whatever. Cope is one of those that's like he wants to get there on his own merit, but because he's trying to move so quickly and like rise to the top so quickly, mm-hmm. he's full of errors and like super inconsistent. And like a lot of times his research has so many holes and then he just ends up kind of looking like a fool. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. So here we go. So that's problem number one is that Marsh is basically taking all of Cope's fossils. Yeah. He's not happy. Um, I love this because that, that just sounds like a kindergarten <laughs> feud. Know. It's like, it's like the sandbox or something. Like, he took my fossils. He took my fossil and it's a stick. <laughs> Teacher's like, I don't care. Um, so Cope in that same year, so 1868, um, decides, you know, well, screw you, Marsh. I'm going to publish my research on what is called the Elasmosaurus platyrus, platyrus, platypus, platypus. It's not platypus, but we're going to call it platypus. Um, but there were major yikes in his fossil. Okay, let's just put it that way. There. Okay, like, I'm, I'm, I'm a little yikes. lost on the sentence. There were major yikes in his fossil. In his fossil, like that he built. Like he pieced the fossil okay. together to present it. So, okay. And there were major yikes. Um, he did, the vertebrae was backwards. So the head was, was actually like the, at the, the tail bone? part. <laughs> and the tail was at where the head was supposed to be. Love. Um, so yeah, so the vertebrae was completely switched and Marsh actually was like, Hey, buddy, 
you did this wrong. So, of course, he's just triggered because, like, that's, like, the worst thing ever is when not only do you know you screwed up, but then, like, the enemy of your entire existence also points out it to points you it that out, you screwed yeah. up. So, Cope is just, pretty... Just let him have his frankensaur. Like, right. honestly. Well, not in the, not in the you know, 1860s and 70s. They were all trying to get ahead, I guess. Seems like nothing changes. Guess we have to be accurate in the scientific community. Girl. And then there's like, they bring in an expert who like confirms that it's backwards. And then they like publicly embarrass him and like put out a public like letter no. of like, he paleontologist cope totally screwed up. <laughs> and he's just like, why? So, um, from here on out, they basically go on like a fossil race, like think space race, American Soviets, nineteen fifties, but like with dinosaur bones. Love it! I'm so I'm so in. They're I'm like so 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 in. They're just like traveling the world, like yep. digging up bones, and they're like, "Ah, oh, I got you!" First. I'm so oh. in. So again, so Marsh kind of uses spies, bribery, um really just being a pain in the fossilized tushy to get on top. Um, but Cope is just continually plagued with like incomplete data, like inconsistencies. Just So kind of what I'm like seeing here, correct me if I'm wrong, but Cope is like messing up, right? But he's, he's working his hardest. Right. And then Marsh is just kind of coming in and being like, actually, you're wrong. Work and smarter. Not harder. But Marsh doesn't really seem to be doing much other than telling Cope he's wrong. And he's still kind of getting ahead and looking like he's... Yeah, I mean, like, he's looking for fossils. And, like, but I think the way he's doing it... I almost imagine Cope is, like, the one getting his hands dirty. And Marsh is, like, paying somebody to do... Marsh is just sitting there with his white gloves, like, wrong. Yeah. And he's coming out on top because of it. He's, like, the white collar and Cope is the blue collar. Yeah. In this situation. But... I don't know. Maybe it wasn't, but that's what we, that's what we know at least. So, I mean, cause they were both wealthy-ish until Cope doesn't, doesn't really make that much money. <laughs> um, he actually falls out of the spotlight for a while because he's kind of, he's just not doing a great job, you know? Um, Aww, poor guy. And really loses like all of his money and success. He ends up like having to live alone. Like he separates from his family is what I read. Um, and just decides rather than try and be self-reflective and go live a peaceful life, he's going for revenge. Um, yes. This is, this is my second revenge story in a row, but hey, I'd be like that sometimes. I love a good revenge story. So in 1890, he starts his revenge plot. Um, against Marsh. And Marsh is like hugely successful. He's actually, um, he becomes the chief paleontologist of the U.S. Geological Survey that had just been created in that time frame. So, hmm. you know, he's kind of a big, big dude, you know? So actually, Cope had spent most of his time basically collecting evidence against all of Marsh's like bribery, spying, really? corruption. And, like, documented all of it and went public with it and got to the point of, like, the Congress decided to completely cut the geological survey. Marsh was fired. Like, they accused him of corruption and misuse of public funds. Um, Good for Cope. And then the Smithsonian said, Marsh, you have to give us your private collection because – and, like, they took his collection. Because a lot of it had been accumulated with government funds. Got him. So Cope, Cope 
probably, I guess, quote, ends up on top. Yeah. But not really because he also has no money and not a great reputation. So once Marsh loses that title. But I think it sounds like Cope was not so much concerned about he wasn't, making no. his own reputation as much as he was destroying Marsh's. Yeah. No, it was it was much more about getting back. So yep. Cope ends up dying at 56. His collection is dispersed um, mostly to the American Museum or the American whatever museum of natural history mm-hmm. and then marsh dies one article says he has 186 dollars in his bank account that's wow. it now granted different times I mean, this 1800s, was 1800s but still 1800s yeah 186 bucks that's, that's when you that's, were that's at more. the top and now you're down to 186 that's which again is, sold. is still a lot of money for the 18 probably a couple thousand whatever, dollars 90s, but eight, yeah 1897 the feud had really pretty much tired everybody out. They were like, okay, that sucks. Yeah. You guys are kind of the worst. Um, and, but nonetheless, like these two guys are pretty, I mean, they are what solidified a lot of our prehistoric fossils collection. And I mean, while they might not have been the first, um, and there's certainly no, other paleontologists I, that are important, they were, they were hugely important for I, paleontology. I love, love. When we get knowledge out of like spite, yeah, and fights and feuds right. and things like that it happens all the time because you just like it's just such a good motivator. <laughs> this is not something I should be promoting, but it's like such a good motivator for people to continue like right. exploring and researching right. stuff. And I just adore stories like that. Yeah, there's so I mean, many of them. They're both just trying to compete to have the best fossil collection, and because of that. <laughs> Sorry, like, I know that that's a serious study and serious research, and I respect it. But like, just those sentences make me laugh. I know. And but because of that, we have we had so many fossils and so much data to do research and study prehistoric life and dinosaurs and extinct animals and love it fishes love it things and rocks love it so (laughs) fishes and rocks family feud number three and that concludes. My episode of Family Feud. Thanks for joining and playing. What do they say at the end of that game? Do they, is there like a catchphrase or something? Good answer! Good answer! Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's good. <laughs> that scared the dogs that's so right. much. Good answer. I'm good sorry. Answer. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry, babies. So, um, was this the best episode of Hyperfocus ever? Put it right here in the middle so I can verify. It is definitely so. It said it is decidedly so, oh. but I um, also disagree. Should we do more family feud episodes? Don't, Don't count, count on, on it. it. Yes. I was just about to say we've only gotten positive answers. Is that like a eight ball of positivity? I don't know, but I guess not. Is Rachel Mrs. Always Right? If it says no. <laughs> Can you read that? Oh, there it goes. Does it say outlook or outcome? I think it says outlook good. Outlook good. Outlook, outlook good. good. Um, is Rosalind Cheers Carter the Mrs. greatest first lady to ever exist? Cheers from Mrs. Always Right. Without a doubt, Rosalind, a gem. Um, Only until I become first lady, though. That's fair. I could become president, but I don't feel like it. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> like too much work. Yeah, well, there goes your campaign. <laughs> this will, you'll never be able to get it now. So, anyways, guys. I don't know. I feel like if Gen Z is electing. True. Who knows? They love that. All hands up. All bets are off. Well, that's what I have for you today, Rachel. Thank you. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. I didn't. 
We talked about, for those of you who missed it, we talked about <laughs> shoes. Um, for those of you who got heads, to the end of the podcast but didn't listen to the podcast. <laughs> shoes, bullheads, yeah. and fossils. Mm-hmm. That funny, oh, fossils. Dun, dun, dun. Boop. What? It's from Phineas and Ferb. You never watched it. If anyone watched Phineas and Ferb, I hope we just shared that moment together because that was special for me. Okay. Um, but anyway, so, um, yeah, do we have anything? So, do we have anything else to say? I do have something to say. Okay, say it. You neglected to put a song reference in this episode. Uh-uh. I said the final countdown at the beginning. I said, it's the final countdown, Rachel. That was a, your song reference? Do you not know the final countdown? I do, but I thought you were just saying, like, no. let's get going. Oh. I did that intentionally. That's the point of a song reference. What was the what was, was it referencing? Then, you were talking about like you were thinking of something, and I was like, Rachel, it's the final countdown. What? Well, yeah. So what was that referencing? We before we were going to start our episode. You're counting down to what? Starting the episode. So it was you just saying, "Let's get going." Well, yeah, but I was using it. I'm <laughs> using the song reference as the as the message. Mmm. Mmm. It didn't reference your episode at all. I didn't even think that was a part of the episode. I thought you were just telling me to get moving. You but decide. It's still a song reference. Listen, listeners, you decide. They're not always me actually singing. They don't have to be you singing, but they have to apply to your. They have to apply to your episode. It did. How? It's the fi- We were talking, and it was a final countdown until I was going to start telling my story. So it is the final countdown before mm. I start telling you my story. I don't know. We'll let the listeners decide. Was that an episode reference? A song reference about her episode? I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, we'll have to see. So leave us your thoughts then on our social medias and wherever you can find us. Um, So Instagram and TikTok. Hyperfocus pod. Twitter. Hyperfocus underscore pod. And uh, YouTube and Facebook, Hyperfocus, colon, a podcast for chaotic minds. And then you can also email us, hyperfocuscast at gmail.com. So let us know if you think that counts as a song reference. Um, Send us a carrier pigeon. Yep. If you can get a carrier pigeon to us, there'll be big things in store for you. I may buy you free merch. Something. We also don't have merch, but we'll give you free merch. Oh, yeah. If you have any merch ideas, we're thinking about... Um, we're, we're starting we have a to few think options. about options. Something with big C, little C science. And Aristotle. <laughs> we can't say that on I the didn't, podcast. But, we'll but have to put the, uh, the E on We are there. very interested in Aristotle. I made a joke that Maddie was... Um, how do I say this? I felt some kind Physic- of way. Physically excited. <laughs> by Aristotle. <laughs> What if I just said physically excited? I think that makes I'm, it so much better. Just a shirt that says, like, I'm physically excited by Aristotle. <laughs> I love it. I think it's a beautiful Because she is. Because I am. I love him. There has to be at least one conversation a day where I say, and this is why Aristotle's right. Literally. Every day. Every day. I'm a genius. I want to beat her over the head. It's just because with, you can't with out- a, a work by Aristotle. You can't out-argue it because it's just right. Anyways, before I get on a rant, um, this has been fun. We will see you on our next episode. We may be somewhere else again, depending on our <laughs> AC situation, but we will not. keep you posted. <laughs> oh, it's been – words. it has been an exhausting couple of days. We got ill. We got physically yeah, ill from the heat. It was not good. Well – See ya. I'm really tired.
stay chaotic, babes. Wait, Maisie, Maisie, do you want to say goodbye? Come here. <laughs> Come here. Come here. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.